Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning. Welcome to Silver Baptist Church. Again, I'm so glad to see you today. This is what I want to encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles and open up to the next to the last book in the Bible. It's um, the book of Jude. You can go to Revelation, go back one page. You'll find the book of Jude. Um, Also do this. You can take these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. I encourage you to follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. Also, our church has an app. If you don't have it, I encourage you to download it, and you can literally open your app and take notes in this sermon right out of the app. Now, most of you know that this summer we're studying verse by verse, phrase by phrase, through this little book called Jude. And Jude is a power-packed book. And what we're learning in Jude is that you have a faith that is worth defending. You have a faith that is worth standing for. And so far in the book of Jude, Judas said, hey, this is what's going on. Here's the problem. You have this worldliness that has infiltrated the church, and now a bunch of people are falling away from the true faith. But now he transitions for the rest of the book. With two little words, he says, but you. And so what Jude's going to do from this day forward, he's going to basically say, okay, I've been exposing the error, now let me encourage the Christian." And so let me share with you today a word of encouragement, how you can persevere, how you can make it to the end, how you can keep going, even though you're surrounded by people that are falling away from the faith. Let's figure out how. It's found in Jude chapter 1. Let's look at beginning verse 17. Look at what God's word says. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you in the end time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your presence here today. Lord, we've sensed your presence already. But now, Lord, I'm asking that you speak. Lord, you know every heart here. You know the struggles, the temptations. You know the people that are weary right now. Would you be the lifter of their heads? Would you speak in ways that I never could? Lord Jesus, would you help us as your children to strengthen us and help us persevere to the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. She should have stopped. She should have given up. She was no condition to keep going. Who am I talking about? Gabby Anderson. She was running a marathon at the Olympics. Now, she wasn't a novice to marathons. She had won a number of marathons before. But this was at the Olympics, at the Los Angeles Olympics, and she wasn't prepared for the heat that they had that day. In fact, she actually missed the last, you know, hydration station where she could get some water. And so by the time she came into the stadium, she was done. With about 100 meters left, her body literally started shutting down. 
She was in such severe pain and dehydration that her left arm was going numb. Her body started twisting like a pretzel. When the medical team went to help her, she pushed them away. Why? Because she knew if they touched her, then she would be disqualified from the race. And she says, no, i got to finish. Check out this video of the final steps of this race. And there she was, just barely putting one foot in front of the other, zigzagging across the lanes, but she put her focus on the finish line. And I'm going to make it to the finish line. I'm going to put one foot in front of another. And I'm going to make it to the end. The crowd anticipated what's happening. And they started shouting. And there finally, when she crossed the finish line, the medical assistants came. And they took her and hauled her away. And IVs in her arms. And afterwards, she was interviewed. And the reporter said, hey, <laughs> what, um, what were you thinking in those final steps? She said, this is the Olympics. I'm going to finish my race. I can put one foot in front of another. I can finish my race. You see, it's a thing called perseverance. It's a thing that every one of us in this room needs. Because there's going to be days when you feel like giving up. There's going to be those moments when you feel like quitting, right? Those moments where you go, you know, the circumstances of my life seem greater than the faith that I have. That, that I know I need to keep going, but my tank is just empty. I'm weary. Ever been there? Maybe you're in school, and it looks like graduation's never going to come. How do you keep pressing on? Or maybe you're in a relationship, and you go, it's just it's drama after drama after drama. I just want to quit. How do you keep pressing on? Maybe it's your health, and you're sick, and you go, it ain't ever going to get any better. Or maybe it's a ministry and you go, is it really worth it? I'm just so tired now. How do you keep pressing on when you want to quit, when you're at the end of your rope, when you're ready to throw in your towel? I had an old friend who used to put it like this, put a fork in me, I'm done, right? Yeah, what do you do? How do you keep going whenever you're done? How do you go the distance? Well, Jude tells us how. Jude is saying, we're living in a world where everybody else is falling away. But you, dear friend, he says, you, Christian, you can persevere to the end. And so Jude gives us the keys of how to persevere. He gives us five principles that you and I as Christians need to put our focus on so that we can persevere in this life. And so what are they? I want you to jot them down today. Number one is this. First of all, you want to persevere, you have to have the right expectations. you got to have the right expectations. Judah's saying, you know what? The apostles predicted this was going to happen. Check it out. Look at it. Verse 17. He says, but you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you in the end time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. He said, you know what? The apostles warned you there's going to be days like this. Tough times are going to happen. It's going to be difficult. Jesus warned you that, right? Jesus said... In this world, you will have trouble. You'll have tribulation. He predicted it. Jesus said, you know what? If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. See, Jesus doesn't want you to fall prey to the lies of the health and wealth gospel that's out there. I mean, he doesn't want us to believe that, you know what? You have enough faith in Jesus. It's all going to be rosy. No, the Bible doesn't predict that. 
The Bible predicts just the opposite, that you know what? Things are going to get tough for you as a Christian. There's going to be punches thrown spiritually. There's going to be hard days. There's going to be difficulties. There's troubles that coming. Look how the apostle Peter said it. I love this passage in 1 Peter 4, 12. He says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and our God rests on you. Peter said, hey, don't be surprised. Don't think that this is unusual. I mean, think about it. What part of picking up your cross sounded comfortable to you, right? I mean, Judah's saying, you need to understand the expectations here. I mean, think about it. Whenever you go out every morning, why do you look at the weather so that you know what to expect, right? I mean, whenever you're in a job interview, why do you ask for a job description so that if you get hired, you know exactly what to expect? Why does a doctor say, okay, in this surgery, this is what's going to happen. Surgery's going to last this long. You're going to be this long in recovery. You're going to feel this pain. Why do they do that? Because they're trying to set the expectations. That way, whenever it happens, it doesn't go like, oh, my goodness, didn't know this was going to happen. Well, Judah's saying, the apostles and Jesus, they warned you of this. Things were going to happen. Trials were going to come. You're going to get tired. You're going to get worn down. Don't think that's unusual. It goes with the territory. And so what Jude does here is Jude says, okay, let me share with you exactly what was predicted is going to happen in the end times. This is what we're going to experience from the world. Look at it. It's found four things to expect from this world. Verses 18 and 19 says this. In the end time, there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the spirit. I've put at the top of your outline the four things that you can expect from the world. The very first thing is what? They're going to scoff at you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to get on social media and they're going to tear you apart. They're going to call you narrow-minded or they may call you a bigot. Why? Because that's the way it works. I mean, think about it. Have you ever been to an athletic event at the opposing team's home field. As most of you know, I grew up in Florida, so I'm a Gator fan. So you wear Gator colors to Neyland Stadium, you're going to get an earful, and you just expect it. It's not like I'm like, what? Didn't expect that you were going to make fun of me or speak bad toward me. I, I'm, I know I'm going to the enemy's territory, right? Well, you and I, we live in the enemy's territory, Christ has not yet come to rule and reign. He's reigning from heaven, but he's not yet Lord on this earth yet. Right? I mean, think about it. The Bible says in 1 John that the whole world lies in the hands of the evil one. The Bible says he's the prince and power of the air. We are in the enemy camp. And so they're going to go after us. Why should that shock us? I mean, think about it. You, if you're an opposing team and you go to the opposing team, they're going to try to distract you. I love these green guys in hockey. Check it out. Look at this video here. These green guys, they're trying to distract that hockey player. Look at us, look at us, look at us. They'll do anything to get his mind off of what he needs to get focused on, right? 
I love the fact that that hockey player says, I ain't even going to look at you. I ain't even going to look at you, right? Well, that's what Judah's saying. Hey, because you believe in something called the truth of God's word, they're going to disagree with you. They're going to scoff at us. Second thing he tells us is this. Look at this. They will lead sinful lives. Little lead sinful lives, verse 18. There will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. What does that mean? That you know what? They're not going to live godly lives. They could care less about the Bible. They don't, they don't believe the Bible. They don't think the Bible has authority over them. So they're going to live according to their passions. It shouldn't shock us. <gasps> lost people are living like lost people. <gasps> oh my goodness. Sinners are acting like sinners, right? I mean, that's what Jude says. Jude says, I know it grieves us. It should grieve us, but it shouldn't shock us. The world's going to live an ungodly way. Fourth, I mean, third thing he says is that they will stir up divisions. Verse 19, these people create divisions. That's what Jude's been warning, that these apostates, they come into the church, right? And so next thing you know, they're going to create this division, They're going to start, somebody's going to be bickering and backbiting and trying to create division in the church. That happens in so many churches. But then it happens in the world. I mean, think about it. Is our nation pretty divided right now? Golly, we're divided about everything. I mean, you can't say anything and, you know, you're not going to be crucified. I mean, it's just crazy how divided we are as a nation. And Jude says, that's the way it is. We live in divided times. Heard this story about these two brothers that were fighting with each other, and the mom hears the fight. She goes upstairs, breaks them up, and says, okay, how did this all get started? And one brother said, well, it all started when he hit me back. Okay. Well, you know, that's the way it is in this world, folks. As long as you as a Christian keep your mouth shut, they have no problem with you. But as soon as you hit back with the truth of God's word, they're going to say, why are you causing all this division? Right? That's what Jude says. He gives a fourth description of them. He says they are spiritless. They are spiritless. That means they're not really Christians because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Look how the Apostle Paul puts this in Romans 8, 9. He says, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. What Jude is saying is they don't have the Spirit of God so they really don't belong to Christ. You see, every one of us, in fact, every person on this planet is in of one of two kingdoms. You are either in the kingdom of light, ruled by Jesus Christ, or you are in the kingdom of darkness, ruled by Satan. Everyone is in one of two kingdoms. And every one of us started out in the kingdom of darkness. But then you heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God quickened your heart. And by faith you called on Jesus and surrendered your life to Jesus by Lord. And in that moment, the Bible says you were transferred spiritually from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear Son. And when that happened, God gave you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and you then became the temple of God's Holy Spirit. Well, Jude is saying, these guys in the last days, they're spiritless. They, they do not have the Holy Spirit of God. And so Judah's saying, hey, I just want you to know, starting out, if you're going to make it to the end, if you're going to persevere, you've got to have the right expectations. This is what you can expect, okay? But then he does a second thing. If you're going to persevere, you need to do this. Number two, you need to build up your faith in the Scriptures. Build up your faith in the Scriptures. Verse 20, look what he says. 
that you do, friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Now, any time that Jude uses the word faith, we've talked about this before, it is always as a noun. That was, what is he talking about? He's saying that, you know, our faith is this body of truth. It's these doctrines that we need to know and believe and follow. And so what is he saying? If you're going to build up your faith, the way that you do that is by getting in the word of God. You as a Christian, it's not just enough to believe in Jesus. If you want to build up your faith, you need to get in the word of God every day. I mean, Studying the Word of God is like spiritual weightlifting. You want to get strong physically, you, weigh, you lift weights, right? You want to get strong spiritually, you lift the weight of the Word of God. That's how you get strong. That's how you grow in your faith. Listen, Satan's not afraid of any Christian who has dust on their Bible. You, you might as well not own a Bible if you're not going to study it and read it. But Satan quakes whenever Christian opens up the word of God and starts studying it and reading it. Why? Because that's what builds up our faith. Look at how the apostle Paul put this. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul writes it like this. He says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing how? By the word of God. I love this quote from D.L. Moody, great pastor and evangelist. He said this, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning, but faith did not come seemed to come. Then one day I read where faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I open my Bible and begin to study it and my faith has been growing ever since. You want to grow in your faith? Get in the word of God. In fact, the way you persevere is by getting in the word of God. In fact, here's a principle. Look up on the screen. You won't go far if you don't go deep. Let me say that again. You won't go far if you don't go deep. You got to get built up in the Word of God. You got to study it and read it, memorize it, think about it. I mean, I think of boxers. You know, boxers say they want to go the distance, right? They want to go all 12 rounds. Now, boxers don't continuously box. What do they do after every round? They stop for a minute, they sit down in their corner, they get something to drink, they, they rest. And then what happens? They got a trainer that's speaking into their ear. Trainer saying, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to avoid. This is how you need to, you know, approach this, right? Well, can I tell you something? I'm your spiritual trainer every week. And I try to get in your ear. And I say, if you want to make it all 12 rounds of this life, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to avoid. This is what's wrong. This is what's right. And I try to get into your ear. But you know what? One hour a week is never enough. You need to get into the Word of God every day. Every day. Does it take discipline? Of course it does. But that's how you're going to grow in your faith. I mean, the great boxer Muhammad Ali put it like this. He said, I hated every minute of training, but I didn't quit. If you suffer now, you can live the rest of your life like a champion. Is it maybe a little inconvenient sometimes to learn to study or start making the Word of God a priority of your life? It may be. You may have to reorder your schedule. Maybe you got to wake up a little earlier so you can study the Word before you get off to work. I don't know, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. If you want to grow, you want to persevere, the way you do it is building up your faith in the Word of God. Then Jude gives us a third key, okay? Expectations, get in the Word of God. Number three is this, pray dependently in the Spirit. Pray dependently in the Spirit. 
Look at how he puts it, verse 20, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, prayer and Bible study go hand in hand. If you have Bible study and you don't have prayer, then you know what? You've got a lot of light, but you ain't got no heat. Or if you've got prayer with no Bible study, you know what that is? You've got a lot of heat, but you don't have any light. If you're just a Bible study only Christian, then you've got a lot of light, but you ain't got no heat, so you know what you got? You're just a cold Christian. You're just a head knowledge Christian. Or, let's just say that you're just this prayer, you got a lot of heat, but you're not in the Word. Then you know what you are? You're a confused Christian, right? Got a lot of passion, but you ain't got a clue what you're doing. The Bible says God wants you to have both light and heat. He wants you Bible study and prayer, and that makes a powerful Christian. Jude says you want to make it to the end, you need to pray in the Spirit. That's how you make it to the end. Now, you go, what, what does it mean, prayer? Prayer is just literally talking to God. I mean, just like you and I can talk, except it's in reverence and dependence. Every time you pray, stop and you pray, it's an act of humility. It's an act of desperation. It's an act of, you know, God, I can't do this. I need you. And so pray. Take the time. You know, prayer needs to stop being our last, you know, resort and start being our first resource. I mean, you've heard people say that before. I mean, they're like, well, I guess we ought to pray about it. Another person will say, really, has it come to that? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Prayer needs to stop being our last resort and start being our first resource. God's given you the opportunity as a Christian to come before the very throne room of God and say, God, I can't, but you can. How? How? By praying in the Spirit. You go, what does it mean, praying in the Spirit? Well, anytime a Christian prays, it's done in the Spirit. Notice how the Apostle Paul puts this in Ephesians 6, 18. He says, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. See, prayer begins at the throne of God. God motivates you. He puts this desire within you. He puts this pressure on you. And you know, man, I need to pray about this. Right? I, I need to go to the Lord about this. And then whenever you start to pray, it's amazing how the Spirit of God begins to guide you in prayer. I, I love how the Apostle Paul puts it. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul says this, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love how Paul includes himself in that verse. Paul, you're weak. Yeah, he says, I'm weak. We do not know what we ought to pray. What? The Apostle Paul didn't know how to pray? That's what he just said. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. That's what the Spirit of God will do. The Spirit of God will intercede. The Spirit of God will empower you. He'll put the motivation within you to pray. And then, whenever you're praying, he's going to guide you in prayer. It amazes me how many times that I may be in a counseling session, and I'm advising somebody and giving my counsel the best that I can. And then at the end of the session, I'll say, hey, you know what? Let's pray together. And then as I'm praying for that person, suddenly, out of my mouth comes these incredible insights and words. And I'll say amen, and I'll say, did you hear what I just prayed for you? Forget everything else I just said. That is what God wants you to do, right? Because that's what happens whenever you pray and seek the Lord. It's crazy how the Holy Spirit will guide you through your prayers. So Jude says, okay, you need to pray. Why? Because it's gonna be during your prayer that you really find the strength that you need to go on. I love this promise in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. The prophet says this, They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Look, every one of us get tired. But the Bible says whenever you pray and seek the Lord and stop and trust in the Lord, he will give you the strength you need to keep pressing on. Folks, you want to persevere? I don't know about you. I do. Then you better have the right expectations. Build yourself up in the word. Pray in the spirit. Fourth thing he tells you to do is this. Jot this down. Abide in God's love. You need to abide in God's love. Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, keep yourself loving God. He's not talking about your love for God. He's talking about God's love for you. Let me remind you of something. God loves you. Probably the first song you ever heard was, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Let me remind you again, God loves you. Now, why is that so important? Why does Jude bring it up? Because in the middle of the storm, we forget that. Satan whispers to us and says, see, God don't love you. There's no way you could be going through this trial, be going through this hard time and the hard season if God really loved you. God obviously doesn't care about you. No, you need to abide in the love of God. Look how Jesus puts it. I love this verse. In John chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus says this. As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is saying the very same love that the father has for me is the same love that I've got for you. Rest in it. Abide in it. Did you know that five times in this little book, Jude, you are called the beloved or the loved of God? Think about that. Five times in just a few verses, he says, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. Well, what if I blow it? If you're in Christ, you're loved. What if I stumble? You're the beloved of God. What if I sin? You're still the beloved of God. What if I sin again? You are still the beloved of God. God loves you, he loves you, he loves you. You Well, how do you abide in that? Let me use this illustration of an umbrella. Okay? Now, if it's raining outside, what do you do? You get yourself an umbrella and you abide under it, right? And whenever you abide under the umbrella, you are kept from the storms and the rain that's raging on the outside, right? But let's just say it's raining and I decide, you know what? I'm just going to leave this thing in the car. Then is it the umbrella's fault that you're getting wet? No. It's my fault because I'm not abiding under the umbrella. The Bible says God loves you. If you're a child of God, by faith you've given your life to Christ, God's love absolutely never changes for you. And what you have to do is in the storms of life is choose. Okay, God, I'm going to abide in your love. I'm going to abide, I'm going to abide, I'm going to abide. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul said, I pray this for young believers, that they would know how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God for them. You go, well, well how, how wide is God's love? It's wide enough to embrace everyone on this planet. How long is God's love? It, it will last for all eternity. Nothing's going to stop it. How high is God's love? It is high enough to take you to heaven. 
How deep is God's love? It is deep enough to reach down to the darkest, deepest pit of sin we ever find ourselves in. God loves you. Abide in that love. The way you're going to persevere to the end is learning to rest and abide in the love of God. If Satan can convince you you're not loved by God, he knows you're going to quit. But there's a fifth element that Jude gives us here. If we're going to make it to the end, it's this. Number five, look expectantly to heaven. Look expectantly to heaven. I'm going to tie this thing up. Look at it, verse 21. He says, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Jude says, you know what? You want to make it to the end? The way you do that, you focus on the end. If you're going to make it to the end, then you need to keep your focus and your heart and your eyes for the end. What's he talking about? He's talking about when Jesus Christ comes again. When Jesus Christ comes again for you and takes you home. He says, keep your focus on heaven. Keep your focus on Jesus. Because if you don't, and you don't keep your focus on heaven and the end, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get your focus on this life. And next thing you know, you're going to start pursuing more things in this planet, in this life, than you are of Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting here is the word that he uses here. He doesn't just say wait for the return of Jesus. He says wait expectantly for the return of Jesus Christ. I once read this story of this fishing boat, and they would go out for a couple of weeks at a time, and they were coming back to shore one day, and the skipper, you know, looks out with his telescope on the shoreline. He says, hey, we got some family members waiting for us out there. And he goes, hey, David, see your wife out there. Junior, see your wife out there. Bill, see your wife out there. And Tom, he was waiting, and nothing was said. So Tom was a little downhearted, and he, um, after they unloaded the boat, he, you know, starts walking the house, gets to the house and opens the door, and the wife greets him and says, hey, I was waiting for you. And he said, yes, but all the other men's wives were watching for them. You see the difference? Real subtle. You can be waiting. I'm waiting for Jesus to take me home, but it's different to say, I'm waiting expectantly. I'm waiting and watching. I've got my eyes fixed on the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again for me. Have you ever been in a workout with somebody? Maybe you have a trainer, or maybe you do one of those workout videos. What do they do? They'll, they'll be talking to you. They'll say, hey, just 30 more minutes. Keep it up for just, I mean, 30 more seconds. Just 30 more seconds. And you just keep going, okay, 20 more seconds. All right, just 10 more seconds. What are they doing whenever they do that? They're wanting you to persevere, and the way that they convince you to persevere is by focusing you on the end that's what Jude is saying. I want you to persevere, and if you're going to persevere, you've got to focus on the end. Don't lose sight. One day, folks, you're going to, home, going to be home with Jesus. Don't miss that. In 1940, all of Europe was taken over by the Nazis. There was one nation that was not, Britain. And they were being bombarded every night with these bombs, the House of Commons was meeting, trying to decide what are we going to do. Do we, do we negotiate for terms of peace? We, don't, we can't take much more of this. And during that time, um, Winston Churchill stood up and gave these iconic words that you've heard of today. He said, we shall go on to the end. 
We shall fight in the seas. We shall fight in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever it costs. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight on the hills. We shall never surrender. And they didn't. They were determined they're going to make it to the end. Well, I know that some of you right now, you feel like you're going to quit. You're going to give up on life or give up on God or give up on somebody else. And God's saying, you're running this race. Don't quit. You can make it to the end. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't put a fork in you. You're done. No, keep your eyes on Jesus. In fact, that's what the writer of Hebrews says. We all have a race to run. And what we've got to do is we've got to run our race keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you know Jesus? He's already run his race for us. Do you remember whenever Jesus was running his race? We call it the passion of Jesus Christ. Did Jesus get weary and tired? Oh, yeah, he was so weary, he couldn't even carry the cross anymore. They had to grab somebody from the crowd to help Jesus carry the cross. Did he quit? No, he did not quit. And whenever he was on the cross, did did he get dehydrated? Oh, yeah, he even said, I thirst. Did he quit? No, he didn't quit. And what about, did his hands become numb? Yeah, because they were nailed to the cross. Did he quit? No. The crowds, they were mocking Jesus. They weren't applauding Jesus. They were saying, Jesus, come down off that cross and prove that you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, no. Why? Not because he would have been disqualified. You and I would have been disqualified. And so Jesus Christ, he kept running his race. He kept persevering. He kept to the very end. Why? Because the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Brothers and sisters, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep running your race. Take one foot in front of another. Live one day at a time. Keep your focus on Jesus. Because one day when you cross that eternal finish line, you will fall into the arms of Jesus Christ. And it will be worth it all. So don't quit. Don't quit. That is how Jude says we persevere to the end. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.